the greatest hope against the threat of nuclear war is Superman. I'm going to do what our governments have been unwilling or unable to do. Effective immediately, I'm going to rid our planet of all nuclear weapons. The greatest threat to Superman is Lex Luthor. Smarter than I thought. We can make the world safe for war profits. He's created the ultimate weapon to annihilate the Man of Steel. You risk worldwide nuclear war for your own personal financial gain. Nobody wants war. I just want to keep the threat alive. Dude of Steel. <laughs> Where are you gonna get it? You know you're a workaholic. Why don't you stop and smell the roses, huh? Superman 4, Christopher Reeve, Gene Hackman, Jackie Cooper, John Cryer, with Mariel Hemingway and Margot Kidder as Lois Lane. Superman 4, his most important adventure, the quest for peace. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of... IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast... All the galaxies, all for you. Why, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, broadcasting live right here on channel 1138.com. And uh, we have something to talk about. I want to call it a film, but I think it doesn't even deserve that honor. It's a thing that we all, for some reason, watched. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about it, at least for at least a little bit tonight. Um, It's going to be fun. I don't know if it's going to be fun. It, I, I, I have no idea, guys. I don't know. The world is upside down right now, and we're watching a really bad movie and we're going to talk about it. So, uh, yeah, strap in. It's going to get wild. But before we do that, of course, introductions are in order. My name is Ben, and joining me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Zach Arnold. Oh, I thought you were going to ask me how I was doing. That's what yeah, you usually I usually do. do that, but I'm just, I'm my brain is shot. My brain is I, just I shot. I thought you just didn't care about me anymore. And I was no, just like, I, really, I don't care about your feelings. Oh, God. It's going to be one of those episodes, is it? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, this, this hey, right everybody. Now. Just for the record, uh, I voted to uh, switch it up and talk about a movie on Amazon Prime called Velocipaster, but I got outvoted. This is true. This is true. Oops. Which I think I think Velocipaster might actually be more entertained uh, entertaining than uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight. Like, I'm honestly not drunk enough to talk about this movie yet. 
Yeah, I, I get that feeling. Um, also, you hear his uh, giggles in the background. It is our good buddy, Mr. Jake Damon, who I think this, there's a first for you tonight, isn't it? Yes. So this is my first foray into the uh, filmography of uh, of Christopher Reeve as Superman. Mm, and you poor so I'm, lu- I'm lucky enough. You picked a really poor time to join us on this Superman binge, buddy. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. I, I think I think I've seen a, a good portion of the first superman with him but definitely not the whole thing so this is the first one that i can for sure say that i've seen all the way through and yeah wow interesting way to spend four dollars and 24 cents that's all i gotta say oh my gosh yeah i feel you there i feel (laughs) you there it's it's been it's funny i watched this a few weeks ago just because we were we've been about to discuss this movie for like three weeks now um, so I had already seen it, and then I woke up this morning, I'm like, I completely forgot about that movie. <laughs> I got to refresh <laughs> myself. So I watched some clips, and I watched the Honest trailer, and, uh, yeah. So it's been a fun day, and it's gonna be even more fun in a few minutes when we get to, uh, uh, discuss slash tear apart that movie. But, uh, we have a few bits of news before we get into it that we should discuss. Now, everyone knows the whole deal. Social distancing. Stay away from everyone. Don't touch your face. Wash your hands until, you know, for the entirety of a IPC episode, as Steven Schinder uh, pointed out last week, which is probably dangerous, but I still am going to recommend it. Um, But uh, a lot of stuff happening around the uh, COVID-19, whatever they're calling it nowadays, the the virus that's been passing around. And a lot of movies have... It's COVID-19! Wow, it has its own jingle. It has its own jingle already. You 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 you've never heard the song "Come On Eileen" by Dixie's Midnight Runners? Of course, I've heard it. Just didn't click with me. It's COVID nineteen. Come on, Corona. My Corona. No, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. No, this is worse than Superman four. Objectively, I would rather watch is. that again than listen to you guys try and think. No, <laughs> that's offensive. I'm offended, Jake. Oh, you poor millennial. Okay, so back on track here. A lot of stuff's being shifted around. The world's gone mad, and one of those things that's being affected is films and movies. And Disney, who just released Onward in theaters, the new Pixar movie, a few weeks ago, and obviously being things as they are. People are not going out to the movies much anymore. In fact, a lot of theaters have straight up closed. AMC um, is like straight up closed, man. My A-list subscription has been put on pause until further notice. Wow, that is oh. insane. So obviously it's not being watched and there's no reason to keep waiting. So Disney was like, hey, why wait? We're just going to release it on digital HD tonight. So as of recording this and as probably most of you will be hearing this, it will be out on digital HD. And then on April 3rd, it will be out on Disney+. Plus. So before the discs can even be made for this movie and before it can even be like officially out of theaters or would have been out of theaters, um, it's going to be out on streaming and digital. And this is extremely unprecedented. Like, this is insane, but also 
bravo to Disney for making this call because now everyone that is stuck inside that can't go anywhere actually has something to watch. That is awesome. I like I like that uh, we have the option to watch these things that have been recently released and uh, we haven't been able to, you know, go out and see. I like going out to see movies and it's a shame we can't really do that like we could have done even a couple weeks ago. And uh, I think it's kind of just a fun way to stay inside with your family and and uh, be safe and healthy and check out some of the new stuff coming out. Yeah, yeah, because Zach, I think you've seen it already, haven't you? I have. I, I saw it opening weekend, and it's a cute movie. I enjoyed it, and uh, for some reason, my my audio levels just don't want to cooperate with me tonight. Thanks a lot, Audacity. Um, <laughs> it's fine. But um, it's it's a really cute movie, and it, it's got a lot of really great family values in it. But here's the thing that I'm most intrigued by. It could have been any Pixar movie, not just Onward. You know, it could have been any Pixar movie, and I would still call this an unprecedented move because of the timeliness of its release. You know, nobody was expecting the coronavirus. Nobody was anticipating it. Nobody was hoping for it. The conspiracy theorist in me would like to argue with myself over that fact, but Disney was not anticipating this. And they have made a great response you know, they're saying, hey, we are proponents of social distancing. We are in favor of making sure that you stay home, you stay safe. Here's how we're going to we're going to combat this. It's now available on digital download. It will be available on Disney Plus. Like, I think it's a great idea, but I also think it's a dangerous one. And here's why. Because this sets a precedent unlike any we've ever seen before. This sets a very dangerous precedent for cinema as we know it. And I know that this sounds like a hot take, but I really feel like with the instant gratification that a lot of people are so accustomed to right now, we want it in two days, thanks to Amazon Prime. We want it now, thanks to digital downloads. We have this instantaneous gratification issue and even though it's in an effort to promote social distancing and staying healthy and staying safe, there's going to be a vast majority of people that now hold Disney and other streaming services to this expectation of, oh, it's been out in theaters for three weeks. Where's the digital download? And if they go back to the previous policy people could end up being less interested in going to the movies because they're having to wait for it. And all of a sudden it sends a message to movie companies that if they don't have it out in a certain amount of time, people are going to stop going to the theaters altogether. And it's, it's a very dangerous potential snowball here because if they do bump up that timeline, then it could only end up being a matter of time before movie theaters become an antique altogether. And I, I know that that's a bold prediction. I know that that's a bold statement. But if people are discovering the value of watching movies at home during this corona crisis, and they're getting the instant gratification that they have been looking for and expecting all this time, what reason do they have to keep going to the movie theaters? They can just say, you know what? I'm not doing that. Put it on Disney+. Plus. That's all I want. And 
I'm just I'm I'm excited that it's happening now. I'm not excited for the precedent it sets moving forward. You make an interesting point here. I think it's worth discussing in regards to showing what they can do and showing that yes, if they want it, it shows to, that they... they've got it. It yeah. shows that they have it. There's no processing. There's no editing. There's no revising that has to be done to make it compatible with a format. It's it's just a marketing strategy to keep people watching it in the theaters. And now that they have shown their cards that way with Frozen 2 and now onward, people know that those files exist and that they can be put up on the internet at any time. And eventually the demand is going to be such that they want it online sooner rather than later. This move bumps up everybody's timeline now and is going to make theater appearances for movies potentially shorter in the long run. I, I think, I mean, that was, I feel like that was already the case to a certain extent because, I mean, let's face it, theaters have been dying. You know, there's they a are. reason, there's a reason you go out to theaters and there's a lot of theaters now that have dine-in service. They have the largest chairs, you know, theater close to me where we saw Force Awakens has been completely redone with bigger seats and nicer things, and and it's in an effort to, you know, draw more people in because people have movies now. They have them in their houses. They have them on their TVs. They don't need to go out. People can very easily, you know, if they're willing to wait a couple months, they can see everything they want on Netflix or Disney Plus or Hulu or whatever. And you know, and that's the whole waiting period. That's what that's for is to encourage people to go out because, like, okay, you catch it in theaters, or you're gonna have to wait a little bit. And that's all in the effort of trying to keep the theater experience alive, even though I think we all realize that it, it may not be lasting much longer. Um, and I think from Disney's standpoint, I think they know they screwed up, obviously. They know that they shouldn't. They knew this virus was coming. They knew it might have an effect on us. It probably would have an effect. And they went and had to release the movie anyway. And that's going to cost them a lot of money because this movie's probably not even going to make its budget back because of that, at yeah. least in the theater run. <clears throat> now, it could make a lot of money through digital downloads, and it could add a lot of subscriptions to Disney+, Plus. but I still doubt they're going to make their money back. But I don't think it's going to be, like, they can't blame it on the movie, obviously. They blame it on themselves in regards to that. I appreciate that Disney's trying to fix this and go, this is an unprecedented time in history let's just face it we are living in history right now this is i don't think anyone has really like accepted like how big of a deal and what we are living in right now in regards to what is happening around us and how much is going to affect our culture and our lives for the rest of time and this is one of those things on a much smaller scale of like Everything is shutting down. You can't go to the theater or anything. And Disney trying to throw a bone to families that are stuck at home that can't go anywhere. And I wanted to go see Onward, but I didn't get a chance. And even if I wanted to, the theater that's near me is probably closed. So yeah. that sucks. You know, were they going to wait till you know April, May, June to get it out on Blu-ray? No, of course not. Release it now. People want to see it. They've been advertising the heck out of it. Um do it so i'm glad they're doing that and i don't personally i don't think people are going to start expecting movies to just come out 
you know, immediately after. I think people understand the process they go through and the, and that we're used to. And I don't think anyone's going to say, oh, what happened to that coronavirus? <laughs> that now you got to <laughs> give me a movie right now. Um, I don't think that's going to be the case, but I think, I mean, it could. And I think things are definitely going to be changed differently forever by what's happening right now. Yep. Jake, so, your thoughts? You've been kind of quiet this topic. I mean... <sighs> I don't know. I feel like it's something that could go either way. You know, it could be positive. It could be negative. But I'm looking at this as an experiment. You know, it's like something that it's like an experience experiment that's being forced to happen. And it's going to be interesting to see in the coming months how much this movie actually makes. And uh, it, like I said, it could be a good thing. It could be a bad thing. And they're probably going to model how they approach this type of situation uh in the future based on this and not just disney with their future films and releases but also other movie companies and things because it's not just onward that's being released right away um there are smaller movies out like bloodshot that is being released right away Mm -hmm. and um you know among others but it's uh, it's just it's just the thing where it's like they're being forced into this position and they basically just have to accept whatever the outcome is, but you learn from this and, um, you know, adjust your decision-making in the future. If you send something like this coming on the horizon. Okay. So with that, let me ask you guys this. Um, I, I was able to catch some snippets from the president's press conference that he held today regarding the situation. And a lot of the experts that they brought in, I'm using finger quotes in this, but a lot of the experts that they brought in are saying that we're not anticipating any kind of change to the current situation that we're in for several weeks now. Like, they're not expecting one week, two weeks, this all blows over. Like, we could be in this for the long haul. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's speculate and say that we are in this for a longer haul than movie companies are expecting. What is the best course of action for something like Soul, which is supposed to come out this summer, or any of the summer blockbusters for that matter? If we go into the summer and we're still having these problems, people are going to get cabin fever. They're going to want to be able to go do something, to go watch something, and with the theaters closed down, that's not going to happen. The movies are all but finished, and they just delay them so people can you know, see them in the theaters. But if we're in this for the long haul, and you've got the movie available, what do you do at that point? Do you put it on Vudu? Do you put it on Amazon? Do you do something like that? and have the rental cost about the same as a movie ticket would and just see if people will rent it from home the day it's supposed to release like what do you do in that instance i like i think that people like for me anyway going out to the movie theater is an event you know it's very fun to just go out with your friends with your family um even even going out by yourself just to see a movie i do that you know all the time and i find that enjoyable and relaxing um but I feel like if you make something that was going to be in theaters available on demand where you pay 20 bucks or something like that, you are paying less for that single purchase of $20 than you would if you took a family of like six out to see a movie and get popcorn and all that stuff. But potentially 
you're getting more people to purchase that one-time purchase because more people are in their homes. And, you know, like you said, they're suffering from boredom, getting cabin fever, and they're going to be more willing to lay down that kind of money to watch something in their own home. Um, so I think, I, I think this has the potential of evening out possibly. I'm not sure about that, but it, it, I think it is a possibility. I just, I wish I knew what the right course of action was. Cause I, I'm sure this is a question that actual movie companies are, are debating as well. For sure. Is, you know, how do you even up the cost? Cause like Ben said, you know, Onward hasn't been out long enough for them to be able to make up stuff. And they've probably lost money internationally too, because places like Britain and China you know, it, just Europe in general with Italy's situation, there are a lot of places where people might usually go to the movies and because of the lockdown, they're not. It's not just a North American hit. This is a global hit that movie franchises are taking. And, you know, a, a lot of movies depend on international success at the box office to make up their differences. It's not always the, the domestic that helps cover the cost of the production. And so... You know, it, it's it's unfortunate that it had to happen to Onward because Onward's a, a fantastic film. It's one of um, probably, in my opinion, it's got one of Pixar's top five finales. You know how there's always really? some kind of climactic finish, some dramatic finish that happens, like when Lightning McQueen puts on the brakes at the end of the first Cars movie and backs up and helps the king across rather than winning the Piston Cup. You know, that's yeah. a that's a tearjerker moment. Or when uh, Andy gives all his toys to Bonnie at the end of Toy Story 3. You know, there's some there's some really great moments in there. Um, but the, the the end of Onward was a lot more emotional than I was expecting it to be. And they did they did a really, really good job with it. And so it's a bummer that a movie like that isn't going to to make up its losses because if there was ever one that deserved to turn a big financial profit and and do really well it should be onward and i well, hope i'm hoping that since it's going to get an early disney plus release that all of us can have a chance to watch it and maybe talk about it on the show in the next couple of weeks because that's, it, that's the most exciting thing to me is the fact yeah. that i get to watch it you get to watch it we all get to watch it and we can talk about it and not only that i think this just has a positive impact on our culture right now as i said a lot of people are cooped up. A lot of people are worried. A lot of people don't have anything else to talk about. Don't have anything else to think about. And this will be a huge thing starting tonight and going into April 3rd of people being able to watch this movie in unison. Everybody, well, everybody that has Disney Plus um, or has access to iTunes or whatever, and being able to talk about it and, and enjoy it and families. And this is a movie for everyone because it's a freaking Pixar movie. All right, well, so... With, with that, I'm sorry, Jake. I don't mean to interrupt you, but it, right. it's a it's a it's a perfect segue, Ben, because um, I recently discovered a new feature that it's not something Disney Plus has done yet, but it is something that Netflix has started doing. Have y'all heard yet about Netflix Party? I have heard about this. I haven't no. checked it out yet. I kind of want to try it, maybe on the podcast or something. Like maybe next week we do like a Netflix party, the three of us, because I I kind of want to try this out. If you go to netflixparty.com, you can install Netflix Party. This is it says how it works. Step number 1, install Netflix Party. 2, open a Netflix video. 3, create a party and then step 4, join a Netflix party. 
you can share your Netflix viewing experience simultaneously with people in different rooms. That so is as, awesome. So like instead of having to coordinate with everybody, be like, okay, we're going to hit play in three, two, one, and everything's like a fraction of a second off or whatever. You just have the host of the party hit play and everybody's watching the same thing together. And then you can be on Skype or, you know, a Facebook call or whatever. And you're all watching the same Netflix thing together. That sounds so awesome. I, I am a hundred percent on board for that. If you guys want to do that. I don't know how many people are allowed to watch it together, but if it's like, if it's got a larger capacity, we might be able to invite other people onto yeah. it as well. I, I I don't know. Like I know with Jackbox, you can have like players and then have an audience where people can sign into the room and can still participate even if they're not playing the game. I don't right. know if that I don't know if that would necessarily be the case with something like this. I'd have to check it out. But at the very least, the three of us could watch something together on Netflix Party and then podcast about it. But <sighs> that sounds I, awesome. Okay, I, now, I, now, now, audience members, this is your chance. You have to give us suggestions on mm-hmm. what we might watch, what we should mm-hmm. watch. If we're going to do a commentary on something, watch together next week because uh, I'm totally game for this too. Um, what, yeah, let us know. Yeah, what if we came up – I mean we could talk about this off air too, but what if we came up with like five different options and had people vote or something? That's a great idea. I would I would be down for like three options, like one recommendation from each of us or something like sure, that. Sure, yeah. That, that would work too. And then, because I know my recommendation would be... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no, Velocipaster's not on Netflix. <laughs> I have been trying for months to get that redheaded Mississippian to watch some episodes of Parks and Recreation. Ooh, yeah. I would be so down to watch some Parks and Rec. Every episode, every episode of the original Star Treks is on there. You've got um, you've got sitcoms. You've got some animes. Like there's one called Castlevania that just released its third season. That's going to be really good. Um, yeah. There's stuff like Sherlock on Netflix still. Like we could watch a, a Sherlock episode. There's all kinds of great stuff on there. So uh, this sounds so like incredibly fun. Like right up my alley. I would love to do this so much. So yeah, I mean, people in the in the in the chat, if you're listening live on Challenge Thirty Eight, or if you're not listening live, go hit us up on social media at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Send us your recommendations. I think we just discovered what next week's show is going to be about. We're having a Netflix party, y'all. Heck yeah! <laughs> Should do like once a month or something. I don't know. Well, we also are a little overdue for a top five episode, but that's uh that's another another if topic we, for another If we time. had all night, I would love to just do a top five episode and then we watch our five things. <laughs> yeah. So, but that would take all night. We don't have that. Well, we, time. we've already we've already got one vote on channel1138.com from our friend Steven. He says he wants us to watch uh, Dark Crystal: Age of Resistance. I am down. Oh my goodness, I'm ready to be. I'm ready to be scared. It's not that scary. I've seen. I think it is. I think it is, and I will. I will be scared. I will talking, be scared. I will admit, talking puppets with no human interaction is a little off off putting. Like that was that was <laughs> a little off putting. <laughs> it was it was extremely disorienting watching the what 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 would what would essentially be you know Kermit and Fozzie and Miss Piggy all talking to each other, but not talking to. Tim Curry or or Elton John or somebody like that. Like yeah. There's no there's no human interaction. 
that was that was the part that that really threw me for a loop. But it is what it is. So, anyways, speaking all say, of things yeah, that I, we can I mean, watch, there is no appropriate segue for this. A, a, a recap: Onward is on digital download tonight. It's on Disney Plus April third. That took a half hour for us to say. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. And then I hope this doesn't take too much longer. But uh, this is a fun one that just came out literally today. Actually, both these stories came out today, which is pretty crazy. Literally. 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 So we have a rumor, and I use the term rumor loosely because this is not confirmed, but it also has a lot of good resources behind this. Um, Discussing Film, I think, was the first one that we saw that was reporting this. And I was like, ah, I don't know. And then I saw a lot of other sites reporting, and I'm like, nah, I don't know. And then Variety came out and reported this. I'm like, okay, that's that's your almost but confirmed thing. But apparently, as has been fan-casted for so many years now, Rosario Dawson has been cast, or presumably has already been cast and is in the show as... Ahsoka Tano in season two of The Mandalorian. So season two just wrapped. So we're assuming that this has already happened, that this is just not coming out. And But this is a pretty huge deal that has a lot of people excited. A lot of people love Ahsoka. A lot of people love Rosario Dawson. You put those two together along with The Mandalorian. You got a, you got a recipe for success here, I think. Yeah, I love this idea. I love the casting of Rosario Dawson. If this is true, uh, something I've been wanting for a while, for sure. And, you know, uh, 16-year-old Jake, if you told him that that Ahsoka from the Clone Wars was going to be in a live-action Star Wars show, uh, you know, 10 years from now, I wouldn't believe you. But here we are. Yeah, I completely agree. What's, what's your take on this, Zach? Oh, man, I, I have been back and forth on both sides of this all day since the report came out because uh, uh, the, the whole fan casting thing is, is really interesting. Like, oh, she would be perfect for this. Oh, she'd do great at this. And then we're getting reports that she's actually going to be doing it. Like, are we setting ourselves with too high of an expectation here? Maybe. Like, is this is this fan cast so perfectly casted that all of our expectations are going to be so high that, you know, if if she does one thing that doesn't seem Ahsoka like, all of a sudden people are going to start hating her for it. Like, <laughs> there's there's a lot of undue pressure on Rosario Dawson now, which isn't fair to her because she's a fantastic actor. She did amazing things with the Netflix Marvel stuff. Like she was the glue that held those series together, essentially. And to go from that to the star Wars universe is a great honor. Um, and I would definitely be excited to see what she brings to the table. I am bummed that it means Ashley Eckstein isn't a part of it because I, I really don't think you should have Eckstein dubbing over Dawson's uh, acting, like live action acting, like it has to be one person. And so, um, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what to make of that. Also, just how much choreography are you going to be able to do in uh, a Tagruta cast, um, like, like those types of costuming? Like, I, 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 as much as I love what Dawson's capable of, she could end up being inhibited 
just by her costume alone. Like if you look at some of the scenes with Master Shock T, like even the deleted stuff from Revenge of the Sith, like it's going to be interesting seeing how anybody playing Ahsoka tries to pull it off because it's it's not easy being a Togru to live action. So I, yeah. <sighs> Go ahead. Right, I was just going to say it would be interesting if they did what they did with Ray Park in uh, Solo and just dubbed Sam Witwer, you know, like they dubbed Sam Witwer's voice over Ray Park. What if they dubbed Ashley Eckstein over Rosario Dawson? That'd be interesting. Uh, see, I, I, I thought about that, but it kind of depends on the scale of her appearance. You know, is she? Yeah, like how long is, she's on. Screen. Is she going to be making a cameo the way Darth Maul did, or is she going to be like a character that potentially trains Baby Yoda, like you mentioned in our group chat, Ben? Yeah. Like, right. what, what, what exactly is her role going to be in this season? How much of an impact would she be making? Excuse me, I've got the hiccups tonight, guys. <laughs> You've well, heard those weird pauses a couple of times tonight, and I'm just like. Ugh. <laughs> I had Mexican food for dinner. I'm going to blame it on that, okay? Well, there are worse excuses. I um, I assume I, with Dave Filoni involved and with, you know, the casting of Rosario Dawson, who is, you know, a bigger-named actress, and the fact that this is a fan favorite uh, character and it being a show, I assume that she's probably going to be pretty prominent in at least an episode, you know, as like a main person, I would guess maybe even a couple episodes. We'll see, but I don't think it's going to be a super short, like five second cameo like Darth Maul was. I, and see, it's funny you say that. I don't necessarily disagree with you, but what I have in my head as a vision is just a cameo, just some, just her showing mm -hmm. up maybe at the end of season two and, you know, Mando hands off Baby Yoda to Ahsoka to train as Jedi, you know, or just yeah. take care of him or whatever. Um, I don't know how that works, and maybe maybe if they are casting Rosario Dawson, that means that they're wanting someone to play a more significant role in this. And it doesn't necessarily mean that she's going to be flipping around or whatever. It could just be that she's going to be doing some dramatic acting. And... And I do, going back to your point, Zach, about Ashley Eckstein, and that's been my point this whole time, is like, I like Rosario Dawson, but to me, Ashley Eckstein is that character. She embodies that character. Right. And she's no stranger to, you know, uh, on-screen work. She did on-screen work before she did, got into voiceover, so, like, I feel like she could do it. And, but she, I believe, I heard someone said that she has given her opinion about this and has said that she would be okay with someone else like Rosario Dawson doing the character. That's really the only thing I really care about is is if Ashley's okay with it. Because like if you notice, outside of Star Wars, Ashley isn't acting much. She isn't doing much of anything. She's got a company to run. She's running her, her universe. And maybe she doesn't want to get in there. Maybe she doesn't want to commit to, you know, being on set in all that makeup and, you know, all those hours and, and days and weeks of being that character and yep. you know maybe she wouldn't like to pass off with someone like Rosario Dawson who arguably could give a better performance right. and would be a better use of you know talent um at the same time you know I just hope that they get Rosario Dawson and she does a good job and that Ashley Eckstein is okay with it because I just I don't know I'm I'm very I project a lot on people. I'm like, is Ashley okay? Is she okay with this happening? Mm -hmm. Well, 
it was it was interesting watching Ahsoka come back to the Clone Wars because, as you know, um, the first part of Ahsoka's arc dropped today as well. Yeah, and we're gonna be doing a whole story arc, one episode dedicated to all four episodes. But it was interesting, kind of watching her return, and then watching that news break about a possible appearance in Mando. It's like it's a good time to be Ahsoka right now. Mm-hmm. It is. It is. It really. And, and and there's no coincidence. There's no coincidence that the the first episode of the new and last, unfortunately, Ahsoka arc, is shows up on Disney Plus, and then we get the big news about uh, Rosario Dawson possibly being cast. Um, right. There's no coincidence. There, someone was planning that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help but wonder if that decision had been made. And they were just waiting to release that information until it was pertinent, such as this episode's release. Yeah. Like, like, has this been a scoop that Variety's been waiting to drop and they, like, timed it around the drop of the the new Ahsoka story? I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think there was kind of a chain reaction thing with this because I actually haven't looked into this. Um, our good buddy Dominic Jones uh, put up an article on StarWarsWonderworld.com, which you can read, and I clearly have not read because that's how it rolls. I don't actually read this own stuff on my own website sometimes. But uh, um, apparently, good job, yeah. Um, apparently, I think a slash film came out with it first, and mm-hmm. they're a solid source. And then there was a bunch of other sites that kind of corroborated it, and then Variety was the biggest one that. Uh, you know, came out, and, and when Variety Variety doesn't clickbait, they're not gonna just say, "Oh, like you know, yeah, we we heard this from, we got this covered." <laughs> they're not yeah. doing that. They're oh, a man. legit source, and so I think you can pretty much take it to the bank that this is actually happening. Um, so, if nothing else, I it just I just the fact that we're getting li- live action Ahsoka, and it's gonna be in the Mandalorian, and it's gonna be tying all those pieces together. Of course, Dave Filoni would pull that stuff on us. <laughs> He's just got to mess with our emotions somehow. He hadn't had a chance to do it for a couple of years. And he has to, I mean, that's his thing. He Everything he works on, he has to put wolves and Ahsoka in it. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, so yeah, he had the wolf pack in the Clone Wars, and then he had the Loath Wolves, which were basically just Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Dire Wolves, but whatever. Pretty much. Pretty and much. Mark, mark my words, before the end of The Mandalorian, we will see Din Djarin riding a giant wolf. Guaranteed. I hope so. That would be the most badass thing ever. I'd be okay with that. I wouldn't hate it. <laughs> I mean, it, it's you know, it's funny. I was just watching a clip. I think someone in Club SWU posted this. It was a clip from the second Bad Batch arc, which unfortunately will not get made. But uh, it was where they go to meet the Wookies on Kashyyyk, and they're mm. fighting with them. And the Wookies are are riding giant monkeys. Awesome. And they're like running through the trees. It's like it's totally badass. I'm like, wow, we have just you know sized up animals in Star Wars. You know, giant lizards, giant, uh, giant piranha, <laughs> giant, uh, <laughs> you know, all kinds of stuff. Wow. You got the colo clawfish. There you go. From episode it's a, it's one. A, I hear. I hear it's a delicacy on certain systems. Mm-hmm. There's always a bigger fish. There's always. <laughs> it reminds me of that meme. There's always a bigger dish. <laughs> <laughs> why? 
why is your plate bigger than mine, Master? Obi-Wan, there's always a bigger dish. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So, okay, so we've got that out of the way. We can't we can't keep stalling anymore, guys. I'm sorry. We just can't. We can't. We have to discuss the elephant in the room. Superman for the quest for peace. It is finally time. We have seen it. And by dog, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it because I've been holding out this for quite a while. And uh I'm gonna get something out of this experience, if nothing else. Because I ain't getting my money back. Name <laughs> nobody getting their money back. Nobody, like literally nobody. Uh, not the not the film company. Not Christopher Reed. Not you and me for paying money to watch this hunk of garbage. Like, <laughs> nobody's this... getting their money back. Nobody's getting their time back, folks. I officially apologize. Like if you hit stop at the at this sequence right here and just wanted to listen to the first thirty five minutes, I would not blame you one bit. No, I no, I think this discussion will be way better than the actual movie. Oh just for God. the record. Uh, this will be entertaining. The movie, don't even bother. Don't even just don't save your money, save your time. I know you got plenty of it right now because you're locked in your house, you can't go anywhere. Don't even waste that much time on this movie. So, okay, I'm going to read you guys two synopses from IMDb. Oh, boy. I'm going to read you two synopses, and you tell me which one you would rather watch, okay? All right. All right, synopsis number one. The Man of Steel crusades for nuclear disarmament and meets Lex Luthor's latest creation, Nuclear Man. That's synopsis number one. All right. Synopsis number two. After losing his parents, a priest travels to China, where he inherits a mysterious ability that allows him to turn into a dinosaur. (laughs) At first horrified by this new power, a hooker convinces him to use it to fight crime. (laughs) And ninjas. What? Okay, that. okay, you got me. You got I can that. tell you which one I wish I had spent $4 on. <laughs> and it's not the Superman one. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I'm, I'm eternally disappointed now. <laughs> there's, there's, there's movies, you know how to do the more like this kind of thing? So, similar to Velocipaster, is a movie that came out called Killer Sofa. Oh, brother. It's a chair with vampire teeth. Oh, no. Of course it is. Of course it is. (laughs) That reminds me of that movie called Rubber, which is a sentient tire. I have that on DVD, (laughs) fool. I want to see that so bad. I wonder if that's still on Netflix. If we did... That should be our Netflix party. Oh, I'd love that. I don't know if it's still on Netflix anymore. I think they might have taken it down, which is a bummer because I have heard so many things and I just haven't gotten around to watching it. So I think I just need to watch like a whole bunch of, of terrible horror flicks. Like, I mean, Velocipaster is included on Amazon Prime, by the way, and I've got rubber. What else have I got down there? I've got a movie called Boar. I've got Zombieland, which I've heard is hilarious. 
Uh, I've got the Journey double feature with The Rock, the Journey to the Center of the Earth movies. Mm. Uh, and then I've got Zombies 2, which I still haven't watched yet. So uh, I didn't even know there was a Zombies 2. Uh-huh, they made a Zombies 2, man. They made a Zombies 2. And uh, apparently, whoever thought Zombies 2 was a good idea must have also thought that Superman 4 was a good idea. Uh, yeah. Ben, you remember our Superman 3 discussion. You mm-hmm. you remember how I was I was done during the opening sequence, right? Uh-huh. Like Like, watching whatever it was in Metropolis unfold was just bad enough. And then like seeing everything unfolding before my eyes regarding this, this new tycoon and his computer programmer that just happens to be, you know, like your token black man in a movie for progressive purposes. Like there was just so much cringe about that film and it was like Superman 4 took all of that cringe and compressed it into 90 minutes of just unwatchable fodder. I don't know how this movie got approved, how it got shot, how it got greenlit, how anybody looked at this final product and said, okay, yeah, let's put that in the theater. I'm sure people will watch it. It's funny how Christopher Reeve himself, I was reading earlier, was personally ashamed of this, regretted getting into this movie, um, reportedly told one of his co-stars before he was even out that it was going to be, quote, terrible, and that he was ashamed of this, and it was tarnish on his whole career, which is saying something, being that this was his last performance as Superman, um, which is just sad. Apparently, he only makes one mention of... Um, of of this movie in his autobiography, he he's got this autobiography called "Still Me," in which he talks about his life and his career as the Man of Steel and everything else. And there's literally one sentence that talks about Superman Four, and I think it summarizes our evening perfectly. The less said about Superman Four, the better. <laughs> yep. I that is more. that is his entire description of his experience with that film. And apparently the only reason he came back was for the, the big payday, obviously, and because he got a writing credit. But did you notice how in the opening credits they had like a written by sequence and then a screenplay by sequence that came right after it. Yeah. It was like they were providing this very distinct separation. Yes, you get a writing credit, but the screenplay, the actual scripting, that was done by these two guys over here. You didn't have anything to do with that, Christopher. Go sit down. <laughs> also, oh, wow. I, I, I can't believe I, I'm about to say this, but there was something about Superman 3 that I like now. Um, because I liked their title cards better than I like the title cards for this movie. I I have no idea what they were doing with these title cards that had like a red drag that came off of it like a like a comet flare. Oh and yeah. Was, like 
bouncing around the screen like a roller coaster before dipping behind the planet. Like, what the hell was that? that okay, I have a, a page and a half of notes on this, and my first note is the opening credits are making a poor attempt to, or a poor attempt to be exciting. I Absolutely. really need to. I really, I really wish I could see your notes, bud, because I, uh, my thoughts are going to be all over the place, and you seem to have like them in sequence or something based yeah, on I just, the expression of the movie. I was watching it and just writing notes as I watched, basically. Oh gosh, I should have done that, but I was um, inebriated. <laughs> well, I'll see if I can copy. <laughs> that's, the, that's the only way I could have ever enjoyed this movie, and then even then. When we got to the point where he decided he was in favor of nuclear disarmament and he's like, he's like intercepting the missiles before they land and just tossing them all into a giant space bag and then hurtling it towards the sun. I was, I remember saying to myself, oh, it hurts. It physically actually hurts. Okay. Yeah. My favorite moment perhaps ironically or unironically in the entire movie is the point where there's the thing with the subway and then he stops the subway and says and everyone's gathered around and he just stops right in the middle of everything and goes I still want to let the public know that public transit is still the safest way to, <laughs> to, to travel yep. and I was like oh my god this movie is just so whacked out like it's like the, the like people think that like there's social commentary in movies nowadays. They need to watch this movie, and they'll go and appreciate any movie that's out today because there's so much, like, blatant, like, you know, anti-nuclear weapons. And I'm not saying, like, those are bad things, but, like, they don't even try to sugarcoat it. It's just, like, nope. blatant. Like, it turned into a PSA. No. Nope. Nope. Yeah. Okay. I, here, here's, here's another hot take that I am never going to say again. So you guys better savor this moment, all right? Superman 4's social commentary makes me appreciate the social commentary of Star Trek 4. Which oh. I haven't seen, so I don't know. You're talking about space whales, right? I'm talking about space whales. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say, because if I go on a tangent about the voyage home, we're never going to get out of this. But, we'll, we'll get we'll get there when we marathon the Star Trek movies. We'll get there. We as will get there. God awful as the Voyage Home is, at least they tried to make a plot out of it. Superman Four has no plot. It it doesn't. It jumps all over the place, and I I didn't know what they were talking about half the time. I didn't know what was at stake half the time. I didn't know really anything that was going on almost the entire time except that for some reason nu nuclear war is all of a sudden a problem and um and uh i guess lex has a nephew and he's important to the story for no reason at all and um i don't know just little things like uh superman uh, or you know clark in the barn at at the kent farm opens this door in the ground for some reason pulls out a thing of kryptonite and i don't know what that was about or what was that was for so his his spaceship was buried there when I, he first yeah. arrived on earth and so it was like a way of trying to harken back to the first movie and like remind uh, you of his family and stuff 
but they did it so piss poorly that even if you had watched the first movie, it would have made you cringe still. So, I mean, you still okay. cringe, just in a different way. Well, I copied and pasted my notes in the bottom of our our uh, notes for IPC. Oh, our show Google Docs. Online. Um, yeah, oh, so some this of them. Good. Yeah. But, yeah, John Cryer is the guy that plays Lex Luthor's nephew, Lenny. And he goes on to play Lex Luthor in uh, Supergirl, the show Supergirl. That absolutely blew my mind watching this. I'm like, okay, I know that guy. And I'm like, oh, my God. It's the guy from Two and a Half Men. (laughs) Yep. And then I made the connection of, oh, my God, it's the guy that plays Lex Luthor. Wait. Yeah. Wait. That's Charlie Sheen's brother from Two and a Half Men? You betcha. What the hell? <laughs> I know. I did the same thing watching this movie. And then I made the connection. Of, oh, my gosh. He's Lex Luthor. He's playing Lex Luthor's nephew in this one. He actually goes on to play Lex Luthor himself in Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is also Supergirl. Um, so my mind was, like, forever blown after, like, making those three connections. Yeah. And, wow. uh, yeah. So... There was a lot of talk in here about canceled trips and, you know, a world crisis. And I'm just like, this sounds t- scarily familiar because of oh, all this coronavirus stuff. Connection. Wow. Yeah, it was just kind of like weird to hear that. Um, some of the dialogue in here is terrible. Like Lois says. Some? She... Oh, yeah. No, all. Yeah. Most of the dialogue is terrible. But like there's a scene in here where I mean, you have to hear it to hear how bad it is. But she's like. All trips are canceled. You mean my trip to Paris is canceled? Yes, that's what that means, Lois. Um, <laughs> you don't have to repeat it. Um, God yeah. love Margot Ro- Margot Kidder for oh, Margot coming Robbie. by. <laughs> I've been talking too much about Birds of Prey recently. Um, <laughs> Margot Kidder, love her. May she rest in peace. <laughs> she made the right decision for Superman 3 staying out of it and just like, okay, peace out, bros. I'm gone. And then she comes back for this one. It's just like, <laughs> and then they like, I love it when they like, she's there and then he takes her out of the, on the thing and he takes her flying and he gives her all that stuff and reveals himself again as Superman. They don't talk. And then he takes her memory away again. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. yeah, that is like a huge abuse of power because he's already done that once. Like, how scrambled and jumbled is her mind? And how unattainable is she now? If you've done this so many times that you're never going to actually have a relationship with this woman. Right. And, you know, even if you tried to, she'd never trust you considering all of the stuff you've done to her. Like, he's made these unilateral decisions about the fate of her life and her memory and her mindset that just feels like a bit of mind rape almost, which is really kind of creepy. Superman yeah, 4, that... mind rape. <laughs> oh, God. The, uh, yeah, the, uh, th- this, wasn't, this movie wouldn't go over as well in the Me Too age. Oh, it, doesn't, it didn't go well in the 1980s either, so oh well. Um, okay, really quick, I have a hot take to lay on you guys. Oh, please. I'm going to say that I did not hate this movie as much as I thought that I would. I didn't either. And I I didn't hate it as much as Superman 3. I still contend Superman 3 is the worst by far. In fact, I was watching this movie, and for the good, like, first half of it, I'm like, 
when does it get really, really bad? It's right. bad. It's bad. It, like, I'm I'm not saying that this movie is good in any sense, but, like, I was expecting it to get Superman 3 level bad, and well, it wouldn't get there. And I was like, okay, I'm kind of enjoying this. And then <laughs> Nuclear Man shows up. I'm like, okay, I get what you're saying here. Uh, the, this movie got really bad in two points in particular. The first time it got awful is when when uh, Superman takes Lois off the rooftop and they go flying all yeah. over the world in like 20 seconds. So they're they're in the desert. They're over a, a field with horses. Then they're in, uh, you know, China or something. And then they're in, you know, wherever. And and the whole thing was terrible. The green screen was terrible. Um, just some of the worst I've ever seen ever. Just the, you can see the lines around them and like how they were cut out and placed over the, the, uh, you know, the background and I'm sorry, but Margot Kidder's acting in these scenes was just like, so not great. <laughs> you, you know, you know what I felt like was missing and, and would have made that scene so much better was if underneath it, you just heard this da, 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 da. And then Superman just randomly starts singing, I can show you the world. Oh, boy. (laughs) Like, that's honestly... I'm not sure if that would make it better or worse. Yeah. It it gets so much better. I'm not sure how it would have made it worse, though, so, you know. (laughs) Okay. But, Ben, I saw the Honest trailer that you told me about, how you had to watch that to, like, refresh your memory on this. And they basically did a quick edit of all of Superman's flying sequences and all of his flights with Lois around the world and stuff. And it was basically the same motion. They have there's the one shot of him looking straight at the screen with his fists raised mm-hmm. and he's flying towards the screen and they use that same shot like ten times. Oh, like goodness, it's yeah. ridiculous. And I was reading that like Christopher Reeve even pointed out that the production just ran out of money. Like they just literally ran out of money and just released it. No, it, I mean it, it. It wasn't just that it ran out of money. It was that the 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 budget got cut. So they they originally they originally had a bigger budget and then it got slashed during a whole lot of production cuts in the studio as a whole, from what I read, yeah. and. Uh, it went all the way down to a seventeen million dollar budget. Wow! That was their budget for this whole film: seventeen the, million to work with. The, there's, the, so they have such little money to work with, and the the plot for. I mean, I want to know the the story behind the writing of this script. Like, what happened here? Because the whole like the the crux of this movie what when we come to the end of it the whole climax is superman fighting a guy called nuclear man who is made out of a strand of superman's hair which by the way can apparently hold a thousand pounds but also be easily cut by snippers uh, yep <laughs> Not yep. sure how that works, but uh, yep. so Lex Luthor and his yep. nephew Lenny or whatever. Um, Lenny are, Luthor. 
Lenny Luther are creating Nuclear Man. That's their big plan. So, so yes. uh, Superman has been. He addresses the UN, and he's like, "Hey." Which, by the way, this is one of my favorite parts of the movie. When he addresses the UN, he's like, "I uh, vow to, you know, collect every nuclear weapon and and get rid of it." And uh, he says it much better than that, obviously. But the whole UN is just like thundering with applause. And I'm like, man, I wish we had somebody like that in real life to just like, you know, solve world peace in a second. And I, uh, yeah, I love well, that. Like, no one opposes him. Like, no yeah. one stands up. Like, yeah, I disagree, Superman. Like, because like, what are they gonna do? Like, right. they literally can't stop him. <laughs> like, well, it was funny. If he the, says he's going to wipe out all the nuclear weapons in the world, he's going to do it. Well, the head la- – yeah, exactly. Nobody's going to stop Superman. But the the head lady there, I forget what her title was, but she was like, uh, you're going to need a sponsor. And everybody raises their hand. And they do it, you know, happily. <laughs> that was like, cute. Yeah, that, that, that was a nice moment. I liked that. But it was just like a, a, a moment of pure, like – goodness you know it was just like okay this i like this i like this this is like superman you know this is pure superman and uh, i wish i wish the uh, Zack snyder superman was a little bit more like that um but anyway so he 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 literally puts all of the nuclear warheads on earth into a giant net in, in space. space in space a big space bag and he <laughs> He flings it into the sun, and it shows a shot of it landing in the sun, exploding. And later, Lex Luthor decides to dress up like a five-star general, and nobody notices, apparently. And uh, he launches another and one. This experiment. As amazing as as amazing as Superman is at bringing about world peace, the law enforcement on planet Earth is equally sucky. Terrible. Lenny Luther drives his car to this the the jail site where they're all digging rocks, and uh, the cops just willy nilly get into his car and test it out, which turns out to be a trap. And uh, yeah, they have to be the worst cops ever, probably. Well, and then they also never pursue him. Like Luther goes back to his multi million dollar headquarters skyscraper yeah. in Metropolis. And how in the hell is that not the first place you look for an escaped convict? I know. And and nobody follows up with that. They're just like, well, I guess Lex is out of jail now. He escaped. Lex We're Luther not going to do anything. We're and never going to find him. Oh, nep- well. <laughs> his nephew oh, killed two cops. Look at that. Superman is fighting this other super dude at Lex Luthor's tower. Yeah. I wonder who could be responsible for that. Like, <laughs> nobody figures this out. Yeah. I nobody. love how they... There's I love how they nobody dupe... that puts two and two together. <laughs> I love how they dupe the cops. Like, Lenny just shows up and they, like, tricks him into getting into his car and then drives him off a cliff. Like uh, That was just... the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I've never seen this type of car before. Well, I've seen one in magazines. Oh, yup, yup, yup. Uh, you guys want to get in and try it out? Oh, really? Sure. As a southern yeah, person, I am offended by those by those I'm, stereotypes. But no, no, I'm talking about the movie. That's how y'all sound. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm wow. offended because it's true. Okay, actually, if you go back and and listen to like previous episodes of IPC, like the first five or six episodes, I have this very heavy southern drawl, and it's annoying as hell. <laughs> like, like on accident, or that's how you sounded. No, that I, I, that's just how I did it. Like, I don't know if I was trying to have an accent, but that's just how I sounded. But 
like I pretty much used like an accent pretty much very yeah, heavily. If, you, if, like if you go back and listen, go back even farther to the early episodes of the Star Wars Underworld podcast, it's a uh, howdy, y'all. Not quite that bad. It's not quite that bad. It's uh, hey, y'all, now we're talking about Star Wars. Oh my gosh. It's amazing that this show has lasted as long as it has. I'll just put it that it's, way. It's it's like that stupid commercial that me, Chris, and Dominic did for the Star Wars General Podcast, which you hear in on this show very frequently. Um, oh, God. It's me playing... It's Dominic's playing me, Chris is playing oh, Dominic, and I'm playing Chris. It's good. Oh. Your definition of good is different from mine. <laughs> but it is. By, by that standard, Superman 4 is a good movie. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. So somewhere along the line here, uh, and I, I'm, you know, I'm not going to lie, I don't really know what they were there for, but it was cool to see... Uh, and I, oh, William, oh, is his name William Hootkins, the guy who plays Porkins? Yes, and he, he's in Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark. He's Porkins, yep. and he's in this. He shows up in here really hamming it up. And he's in Batman 1989, I think. 89, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, also Jim Broadbent, if you know who he is. He plays uh, Slughorn and Harry Potter, and he, I don't know, he just oh. plays a, a lot of characters. Uh, he's he's one of my favorite guys, but he shows up in here, which was really cool. Um, but I don't know if this is how it is in other Superman movies, but the anything with Lex Luthor in this movie and his n- nephew with this like cartoonish, corny music over it, it was just like so cartoonish and corny every time. I it was I couldn't take it seriously. There was I mean it was like a Saturday Lenny, morning cartoon. Lenny is just like this caricature of a of a character like he's so just outlandish the way he uh-huh. dresses his car and everything well props to johnson props to john john crier for actually pulling that off and yeah. making it and it's terrible it's terrible but like it's it's entertainingly terrible it's just terrible <laughs> yeah it's just, just terrible it's just oh god oh i uh, I wish I had like a redeeming quality to talk about, but I I vehemently disagree with your with your stance on three being worse than four. Mm. <laughs> and and here's here's why, here's why. Um, at least in Superman three, there was a legitimate threat. Like Lex Luthor has never really been a very legitimate. threat threat and yet he still keeps popping up in the series like he's he's more of an annoyance and a nuisance than anything else but yeah in superman 3 you were actually able to recreate kryptonite and it actually had an adverse effect on the man of steel like it actually but this guy but this guy he had nails that could cut superman (laughs) And apparently oh, it was yeah, enough to grew. give him flu symptoms. Oh, 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 like oh, he's sitting uh, at home with a fire that he probably started with his laser eyes, sipping on soup. The woman <laughs> of his dreams shows up, and he tells her to leave. Oh, my goodness. Can you also... Like, you, can... I, I, want, I want to use that, that meme from The Incredibles... Where, where Syndrome has his hands next to his head and he's looking down at somebody and he's like, you 
dense mother bleeper. Like, <laughs> I love that. Like, oh my gosh. What is wrong with this man? And that whole conversation between the two of them was also confusing as hell. Like, it made no sense whatsoever. Like, d- is is she putting the pieces of the puzzle together again and is, like, playing stupid so he doesn't wipe her memory again? It does. Does she just think that he's friends with Superman and is, like, trying to pass the message along to him? It does he like read enough between the lines to recognize what's going on and that she's actually trying to encourage him. Like there's so many mixed signals happening in that little sequence. And apparently it's enough to make him feel better and go back and save the day. Like how? And I know this is talked about a lot, but how? Does nobody know that Clark Kent is Superman? The amount of times in here where Clark Kent like sticks on his glasses and is like, "Oh, hi, I'm just uh, Clark Kent," is like ridiculous. Like Lois, oh, how dude, do you not a, know? That's a freaking trope throughout all four movies, though. It's so at least, stupid. at least Superman one to two, which I know you haven't seen, Jake. Yeah. Um, like Superman one and two, it's a spoiler to say that she does figure it out in the second movie. Okay. And, and then it, he has I think to wipe her memory for it. As as much as that's I, what that was about. Yeah, yeah. So that's a thing that came back from Superman two, yeah. and it's a dumb thing that I think brings Superman two down. And I don't think Superman two is worse than this one, but it's it's I I, I had a lot of Superman two flashbacks with this one. I was like, okay, this is down to Superman two level quality yeah. of just badness, although it's <laughs> actually worse. Oh no! You want to you want to talk about uh, like something that's bad that just got worse the more you watched it? How about the visual effect where he just somehow magically knows how to repair the Great Wall of China with his eyeballs? Yeah, he just uh, develops these brand new powers of rebuilding powers. Of yeah, course, I, it's <laughs> right in line with the powers from the last movie where he just goes around and fixes all the stuff that he destroys. <laughs> Yeah, I, I said he has a rebuildo vision. <laughs> like, I don't know what you want to call it. Do you want to call it telekinesis of some kind? And he's just not moving his hands around all that much? Like, I, I mean, I he was like making bricks out of thin air, basically. Well, it actually. Just... Go, go ahead. ahead. Well, I was just going to say that it actually falls right in line with his comic counterpart because if you if you're familiar with the comics, he has ridiculous powers in the comics like he can like shoot miniature versions of himself like out of his fists or something like he can do like ridiculous like like throughout and we're talking about going back into the 1930s i think is when superman first came out they gave him ridiculous powers he's a bit more reined in nowadays but it's i love that the movies i both love and hate that the movies just go all out with just these like superman 2 he pulls off his he pulls off his thing and just throws it. His his Superman star thing, like it's just insanity. And this movie just takes it to another level. Yeah. Well, I learned that the reason they did that rebuilding power was because it was originally written in the script that he was going to do like a rebuilding sequence where you like hit fast forward on the film and he's just like very quickly putting the things back together brick by brick. But 
that was a a shot and an element that they didn't have left in the budget. And so rather than shooting him repairing the wall, fast forwarding it and, you know, going shot by shot with him repairing the wall, they just took the reel of the of the destruction sequence that they just shot and just like set it into reverse so that everything goes back into place. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah. all that's all they had left in the budget was just hit the rewind button and put everything back where you found it. Yep. Um, right. Oh my god. Did anyone notice when he's in the apartment he uses his x-ray vision to look through a wall at a duck cooking in the in the oven and then somehow uses his laser vision to cook the duck faster through the wall without burning the house down. Was it his that laser whole... vision? I thought it was just his x-ray vision intensified. I No, I like, took it to be he was using both at the same time. Somewhere. I thought it was like a high-frequency microwave type of situation. Maybe. I, I don't think the writers were smart I mean, he, enough to do that. He is a Superman, so like... Oh, oh, boy, yeah, that he... explains everything away. All of the oh. ridiculous crap that happens in this movie is all explained away because he is a superman. And and it's and it's so ridiculous in that scene where he keeps dropping out and they're like, "Where's Clark? Oh, where's Superman? Where's Clark? Where's Superman?" It's like, "Come on, guys. Come on. You can figure this out. It's the same person." Yeah. <laughs> got to be a version with the Benny Hill music. There's got to be. Like, oh my gosh, that scene where the 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 baggage cart like runs oh. into him at the base of the elevator and he just like hops onto it almost giddily and then he pretends to be flustered he's like um uh uh um uh uh, uh, uh stop like, and, the, and the guy pushing the cart doesn't notice he's on there right like how do you not notice the extra weight that's just been added to your cart yeah like if or i was hear, that- or hear the guy on it going um excuse me sir uh, um, uh, 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 uh,
I'm about to jump off a mountain right now. <laughs> where's, where's the mountain that I can carry and then jump off of? Um, uh, what else? Oh, I don't know where to go from here. <laughs> uh, nuclear man just as a concept befuddled me. I I did not understand how it's like with it's a like hair, diet Thor. With, yeah, with the hair and a little bit of super. Yeah, exactly. Um, with a hair from Superman and a little bit of what his cape or something like that, a a, uh, a a nuclear missile being hurled into the sun could create this new life form with a completed costume and uh, symbol. The symbol of Nuclear Man. How did that happen? Well, I and he just that... also happened to have. Uh, Gene Hackman's voice that was oddly convenient right yeah right. that was I love that that part it's just like he can't even have his own voice <laughs> no he's, he's gonna be dubbed by uh, by Lex <sighs> Luthor which by the way Gene Hackman such a great actor just you know in movies throughout history just one of the greats do you think he was having fun playing this? Because he definitely didn't. F I don't think he phoned in this role amazingly. I think he was like really hamming it up. But the scenes he was in, I don't understand how he didn't read the script and was just like, "This, this is a big mistake. Why am I doing this?" Uh, you, 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 I mean, considering the fact that Christopher Reeve was seemingly well aware yeah. of what was going on and was aware of how terrible this is. Um, I would assume Gene Hackman, a a very probably one of the best actors of ever. Um, yeah. you know, probably was was uh face palming through all of this. Um, but he gave a good performance, probably the, one of the best performances in the movie, and is one of the few bright spots. Yeah, that's yeah, not saying fun. much. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's not. not. Yeah. I mean, it's fun to say the least. Like to watch him be Lex Luthor, it's fun. You know, but it's not great. Um, and uh, yeah, the whole the whole uh, Statue of Liberty flying around New York City, oh kind of ridiculous looking. And why, when Superman, you know, falls when he puts the Statue of Liberty back, doesn't Nuclear Man just finish him off? Then, um, don't know. Uh, the answer is well, the they can just like know. juggle around the Statue of Liberty, no problems. <laughs> no problems. And uh, <laughs> oh man, oh yeah. So these guys, Porkins and Jim Broadbent, there. I I don't know what their role is necessarily, but they like somehow increase the amount of money that Lex Luthor is going to get, which is what he wants anyway. And then proceeds to fire them for some reason why i don't understand that um kind of a hostile takeover situation that was really the only thing about this movie that i kind of appreciated was the the two timing negotiating and dealing that lex luther had he never had any intention of actually partnering with those guys he they were just an a, a, an end to a means or a means to an end for for him yeah. because he needed an in with the nuclear industry but once he was in, he didn't have need for associates anymore. Yeah. So he, he brought in these guys who were like nuclear physicists and engineers and, and black market salespeople and stuff. All the ends that he would need to be able to get a monopoly on black market nuclear deals. And once Superman is out of the picture, then the nuclear arms race can continue. And he's able to wheel and deal on both the Russian and the American side of things. 
And instead of getting a, you know, a partial commission from everybody, he gets all of the commission by firing or killing the rest of them. Like yeah. that was that was the one gutsy move that I actually appreciated because it made sense from a villain's perspective. That is what I would expect a villain to do. Unlike, you know, expecting a, a hero to do XYZ and then he doesn't, or expecting a hero to, you know, you know, just just talk to a kid instead of like actually getting inspired by him and going and speaking to the UN on the kid's behalf or Yeah, you're right. And or, and let's talk about that kid. That kid <laughs> is just priceless like this i can't remember the kid's name he's like i know who i would call who santa claus no superman like come on guys what are you doing yeah it was it was just it was way too forced and it just became very very cringeworthy now here's one other area that i i find kind of a moral and ethical gray area situation and that's basically what this whole movie was supposed to be about was uh -huh. this idea of just how involved are you supposed to get or allowed to get with the development of other worlds and other cultures in star trek they have this thing called general order one or in later series they call it the prime directive where if you encounter a planet or a culture or a society that is pre-light speed capabilities, you do not interact with them. You don't let on that faster than light travel and aliens and other species and other worlds exist until they are ready to explore it for themselves. Like that is their biggest directive. You do not make first contact with a species until you are certain that they are capable of faster than light travel. And from mm -hmm. what I was able to understand, Krypton had a similar policy where you don't really interact or interfere with what would be considered inferior species until they are closer to your level. And until then, continue to grow and evolve and develop naturally until they become more enlightened. And his decision to get involved in the nuclear arms race is basically a Kryptonian version of breaking the prime directive. Yeah. <laughs> and and he, he yeah. struggles with that. Like he, he goes to the Fortress of Solitude at one point, doesn't he? And like tries to consult the ice visions and they're like, do it, don't do it, do it, don't do it. Yeah. And and he decides that he's not just somebody who is living on planet Earth, but he's like, this is my home now too. And I'm like, oh dude, all of a sudden you've gone from being the hero to playing God. And I feel like that is one thing that the Snyderverse possibly addresses a little bit better than this franchise does is the idea of somebody with that much power potentially playing God, but you mm -hmm. actually see it put into place in this movie just very cheesily. Like, can you imagine if Henry Cavill started flying around and, like, stopping nuclear missiles and then just, like, muscling them towards the sun? Do you think people would even watch that today? <laughs> mm, can't say. I do, I do love that 
despite this movie and despite what it, all everything that it does, like it does answer or at least ask a interesting question in regards to what would what would it be like to have Superman not just in a superhero universe, but in the real world? You know what what are what are the not just the the effects of like oh anytime there's a planet ending assault on our world in case General Zod shows up we've got someone to save the world it's what would that cause to normal life and in this case normal life was the Cold War was the threat of nuclear weapons and we still have that threat today I mean as far as it goes just hopefully not as much but uh, still like I like the idea of like Superman can do whatever the heck he wants and they can't stop him like I said if he decides that he wants to get rid of all the nuclear weapons in the world um he's probably gonna do it because if you fire a nuke at him you know he'll be the last one standing (laughs) so it's 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 fascinating that this movie actually asks that question and somewhat answers it in a in a weird and, and you know I feel like I feel like just scientifically, if you take, like, all the nuclear weapons in the world and throw them into the sun, that would probably create some kind of anomaly. I don't know. Probably not a good idea. But Superman does it, and nothing happens. But then he creates Nuclear Man, I guess. So, uh, yeah. Superman does a lot of stuff, and we're going to get into that on the other side of this commercial break. But this is as good a time as any as to say hi to our friends and our patrons and our sponsors. So we're going to take a quick break. And we'll be right back discussing the the, the, the financials of this movie, the, uh, the the final battle with Nuclear Man and the piss-poor choreography that we got, uh, the, the finale, closing thoughts, final planet score, all that good stuff, when our discussion of A Quest for Peace continues right after this. This is IPC. Greetings, this is Obi-Wan Kenobi and I have drifted into the underworld. The Star Wars Underworld. I have a bad feeling about this. Hey y'all, this is Ben Hart here. I know y'all just heard me on the IPC talking all things geeky and fun. Now I'm here to tell y'all about my other podcast. It's called The Star Wars Underworld, about all things Star Wars. We talk Star Wars The Clone Wars, Star Wars The Force Awakens, Star Wars Last Jedi, Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, and so much more. I record it with my friends Chris and Dominic, who are here to tell y'all all about it. Hello, Chris. Hello, Ben. I'm so excited to talk about Star Wars this week. It's fun. It's funny. We're going to have a great time. Hey, guys, I am so nostalgic for mall packaging, and I love being on the Star Wars Underworld podcast talking all the latest Star Wars news. Well, now that y'all had a little taste of the show and you know what to expect, you should check out more episodes by going to StarWarsUnderworld.com or by searching for the show on the iTunes, the Apple Podcast, the Google Play, and all sorts of things. And may the Force be with y'all. It's a wrap, eh?
All right, we are back and hopefully not talking about this crap fest for too much longer. Uh, you're listening to our discussion of Superman for the quest for peace here on the IPC podcast. It's ironic that we're trashing a movie called The Quest for Peace when our podcast is literally called Intergalactic Peace. But Quite fitting, actually. I'm, I mean, it's it's fitting, but also somewhat ironic. You, you've got to admit the irony is there just a little bit. Um, but on the topic of talking about intergalactic peace, it's a good time to plug all of our stuff, like social media and things like that. So go find us at uh, IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Go find us on uh, different places that podcasts are published. You can find them on your Apple device, on your Google device. You can find it at StarWarsUnderworld.com. And you can also find us on our hosting platform at ipcpodcast.podbean.com. Pod like podcast, bean like green bean, ipcpodcast.podbean.com. And a very special thank you to the people that financially contribute to the program, like Joey and Jake, Rachel, Dan Grievous, Parker, and Carrie Fleming. You guys help keep the lights on, and we appreciate it. So if you're interested in becoming a patron, you can do that at that Podbean site as well. There's a button that says Become a Patron, and it gives you all the information about our uh, Peacekeeper Core and about our top five sponsorship elements, all that and more to be found over at ipcpodcast.podbean.com. Indeed. Okay, I got my breath. And wanted to take a second here and just take a look at what a disaster this movie was on all fronts. Not only did Christopher Reeve have beefs with uh, Margot Kidder, but he also had one with the director. And I think there was supposed to be another director that they had lined up and then he backed out because it just looked like a giant cluster and he didn't want to be a part of it. So, like... There was there was a lot of crap that happened surrounding this movie, but none more so than the financial impact. I mentioned that this movie only had a $17 million budget. It had a larger budget, and it got slashed down to $17 million. That doesn't sound like a lot by any standards, but even for 1987, that's still kind of on the small side. Why are these damn hiccups back again? I thought I got rid of them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They're back for revenge. Oh, my gosh. It's reminding you. It's your subconscious reminding you. Stop talking about this movie. Seriously. I just want to know where the money went because it definitely wasn't into the special effects. <laughs> it, it went into no. props. It went into cast. It probably went into so many other things except visual effects and location. They shot this in England because they couldn't afford to shoot it in New York. Wow. Like, that's how low budget this production was. And even with that, this movie... Uh, okay, here's another little piece of trivia, and then I'm done with trivia, and we'll look at the financials. This movie was an hour and 30 minutes, but I believe there was another half hour of material out there that ended up on the cutting room floor. Oh my! And that there's more to this. There's more. Apparently, I there was see another that. half hours worth of stuff in there that they were actually thinking of taking and using it as the foundation for a Superman five. Oh my! Wow! Return of Nuclear Man. 
apparently it was going to be like a blending of Superman three and four where you've got like the, the nuclear man situation, but it doesn't just create nuclear man. It also does something to Superman and gives him like a split personality and he ends up fighting a darker version of himself. Like bizarro Superman kind of kind of. Yeah. Which would be a repeat of three, which would basically be a repeat. of Yes. Wow. But it would be better. It would have been better, guys. It would have been so much better. I don't know. I don't know. I'm willing to say it wouldn't have been better. But anyways, this hour and a half film was in the theaters. It went to over 1,500 movie theaters. And it was playing for 23 weeks. It played wow. for 23 weeks. That's almost, I want to say that's almost six months because 26 weeks would be half of a year. I don't know if I've ever heard of that before. So it was in theaters for five and a half months. Wow. What, just trying to make its money back? Uh, apparently, and they still didn't do it. Wow. This movie had a $17 million budget, and according according to Box Office Mojo, you take a look at the domestic and the worldwide totals combined, and in that 23-week lifespan in the movie theaters, they only accrued $15.6 million. Wow. So you put in 17 mil... And for five and a half months, you only get back 15.6. Wow. Okay, if, so... If that doesn't speak to the utter crap fest that this movie is, I really don't know what else could. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It was literally so bad, it did not make up the money that it put into it even on a reduced budget. <laughs> um, hold on, I'm I'm doing some math here because I'm comparing this to Endgame. Okay. Uh, oh, you're comparing this to Endgame? Is that a fair comparison? <laughs> and hold on. Um, so Endgame made a hundred or no, sorry, one point two billion worldwide in its opening weekend. 350 million domestically. So if we just do domestically, 350 million uh, divided by 13 million, which is how much Superman Quest for Peace made 15, in six 15, months. 15, uh, oh, almost, 15 almost 16. Okay, I got to redo this then. Keep talking, I'll, I'll get you a number here. Well, I'm, I'm going to be doing... Um, I'm going to be doing adjusted for inflation numbers because this movie was in 1987. True. I didn't even think about that. 15.6. There's got to be a calculate the value. Yeah, there's a adjusting for inflation. Because with uh, this, what Quest for Peace made in six months, Endgame could have made in a matter of hours. So uh, $15.6 million in 1987 adjusted for inflation goes towards about $36.3 million today. Okay. So 
if you do opening weekend, that's like, what, less than a day? Uh, opening weekend is about a two-day release, I would think. It counts the Friday and Saturday numbers, doesn't it? Yeah. Or the, the, thir- like the Thursday and the Friday, I think. I'm just saying, when you take care of your franchise, that's what can happen. Well, and that was that was how much they made during the entire release, not how much they made during exactly. the opening day. That yeah. was yeah. almost six months of having the movie out there and people thinking, oh, what am I going to go see right now? You want to go see Superman 4? Is that still playing? Yeah, it's still out there. Yeah, okay, fine. I'll go see it at the Dollar Theater with you. You know, it's yep. just, oh, my gosh. Can you imagine if, like, if... Uh, Zombies had been in the theater for six months, and it made like four hundred and fifty dollars. Oh my gosh! And this is this is the year of the Princess Bride, Full Metal Jacket, Predator, RoboCop, Good. Empire of the Sun, Beverly Hills Cop. Wow! Dirty Dancing, Raising Arizona. Yeah. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Three men and a baby? Good lord, this is a good year for movies. <laughs> Except Superman 4. Spaceballs, Adventures in Babysitting. Good lord, I, I, they keep going. It almost oh, is. Spaceballs had a better budget than this film did. Yeah. It's a better movie, too. <laughs> wow. Wow. Wait. Okay, there's That's one other movie. element that we need to talk about before we go into final thoughts on this suck fest and that's the final (laughs) fight between the man of steel and the nuclear warhead i don't even know what to call him like nuclear man yeah his name is literally warhead would have been a better name for him that would have been great warhead would have been a cool name and then that would have been nuclear nuclear thor (laughs) i don't know if you're allowed to do that it is dc comics after all But I I don't know about you guys, but the choreography of that final fight scene made it almost physically impossible for me to watch what was going on. Like the kicking and the punching and the the stuff that they were doing on the moon to each other and the way like as soon as one got away from them, the other would like reach out with their arms and like try and grab them by the ankle or something. Like you the 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 honest trailers were not wrong. It was basically a giant galactic game of tag, and it made no sense. That was stupid. That that moon fight has got to be one of the worst, like choreographed fight scenes I've ever seen. Like it's so bad. Like General Zod's appearance on the moon was pretty badass. And if you, you you compare what Zod did on the moon to what these two guys did on the moon, like it's no comparison. At one point, here's the thing: Superman addresses the United Nations. He speaks multiple languages. He talks about how much he cares about the Earth. And yet, since this is an American production, there's just a little nod of American patriotism going on. We're right in the middle of this giant-ass fight with Nuclear Man. In the middle of this world crisis going on against your new nemesis, you just happen to take time out of your day to pick up and stand upright the American flag that's planted on the moon before you go chasing after the bad guy. 
Just uh, just another reminder of Americans. Hey, hey, every other country in the world, we went to, we went to the moon. It was just this 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 little subtle nod of patriotism being thrown in there that just wasn't needed. It like it did nothing for the plot. It did nothing for the story. It did nothing to make the fight scene any better or worse. It just it happened, and it was almost like a waste of time. And yet they intentionally put that in there to kind of solidify Superman's favoritism towards the great United States of America. America. It just, oh, it made me so mad. And then you were talking earlier about his nails. Like, what was up with his nails? All of a sudden, he's got, like, silver nails, and then he just, like, flexes his fingers, and they turn into, like, silver claws. Like, what is that? Is he trying to it's be like, like, it's like like a drag Wolverine or something? It doesn't make it's like sense. Black, it's like Black Panther. He's got like retractable claws. It didn't make any sense. Oh. It was it, stupid. Somebody get that sound bite of uh, Zach going, it didn't make any sense. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're the editor. <laughs> that might be the post credit scene. It didn't make any sense <laughs> Star Trek 4 didn't make any sense <laughs> uh, it's going to be my new ringtone it didn't make any sense <laughs> just this desperate a desperate worn out man it didn't make any sense <laughs> it just didn't though and then how exactly this is the other part because at one point, I was just too inebriated and too done with this film to actually cope with, like, how the fight actually finished. How exactly did he beat Nuclear Man? Um, he, he put, put him, him into a nu- yeah, a nuclear silo or something. Put him in a box, didn't he? Because he was away from the sun, and he gets the power from the oh, sun. Oh, yeah. But he, 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 so he's he, apparently supposed to stay in there forever? Or... No, I mean he he puts him in a box. He puts him, or no, he's in a, a, a elevator. That's what it was, an elevator, green elevator. Yeah, yeah, and uh, like it was in a in a skyscraper. And he takes him, throws him on the moon, has the fight, and then at the end of that, he finally sticks him into like a you know a three mile island island looking uh, nuclear power plant, and all of a sudden all the power in the city comes back on. Oh, that's what that was. Yeah. Oh. It was stupid. Because he's nuclear man, so he just, like, increased the nuclear potential of that plant. Right. And all of a sudden, like, it was kind of like the boo factor from Monsters, Inc., where all of a sudden the power just came out of nowhere and, like, turned on and overpowered all the lights in the district or something. Exactly. Yeah. But I don't remember the lights shutting off in the first place. No, um, I don't either. It was, like, one of those things where it's, like, the lights weren't on, and then all of a sudden, because of Nuclear Man, they are on. So, yeah. like, can you imagine if you were, like, I don't know, getting it on with somebody and you turned all the lights <laughs> off, and then... Nuclear man goes into the waste compound and all of a sudden the lights come on and you're like, ah! <laughs> like, I just, oh, oh, it hurts. Mm. Yeah. But, I mean, oh, it hurts. I think the thing that hurt the most, I think this is where I, like, shut myself off from the rest of the fight scene 
was when he realized that Nuclear Man got his power from the sun and decided to move the moon in order to create an eclipse. Because <laughs> that won't screw with anything on that Earth. That doesn't mess up Mother Nature at all. Mm-hmm. That doesn't change the tides of the entire freaking planet. Which he seems to do that a lot because, like, I forget which movie it was in. Was it two where he, like, reverses the earth so that time goes backwards? That's two. That's one. That's the first movie. Is it? Okay. Mm-hmm. Is it the- so you got to go back and watch him and you got to suffer like we did. <laughs> but he's, like, making all of these, like, ca- potentially catastrophic changes in Earth's gravitational pull and nothing bad happens. <laughs> I wish you guys could just—it's just like basic stuff. Like if I was writing this, I'm not an expert, okay. but like I would know not to do that. Mm, that's the other thing. At one point in the movie, he's like, Lex is like, "How did you foil me?" And he's like, "Oh, it's simple high school physics or something right. like that." Wait, and I'm like, it? "If it's such simple high school physics, why did you drag it on for a freaking hour and a half?" Exactly. You know, it's funny. One thing in that little scene where he drops off Luther, he says, I'll see you in 20. <laughs> Guess what happens exactly 20 years later? Superman returns. Superman returns. That's amazing. Oh, God. And where, where I guess Lex Luthor is getting out of prison, I guess. And he's changed a little bit. <laughs> Which I like that movie. That's actually the first Superman movie I have. I ever saw that was my introduction to Superman on the big screen and so I have like a soft spot for that movie it is really boring upon rewatch but I I do think that Kevin Spacey makes a good Lex Luthor yeah ignoring ignoring how weird and yeah uh, he is nowadays Uh, he's a good actor yeah I uh I I like his acting uh if you if you like his acting I would recommend the movie seven okay one of the creepiest movies I ever saw, and it's got Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman in it. I'll have to check it out. The three, the three of them have a have a scene together at the end of the film that is just breathtaking. I only watched it per uh, Sean's recommendations, Sean Giroux from Fandom Empire, mm-hmm. um, and we ended up watching it for uh, an old podcast I was a part of called The Fandom Fraternity, and. Oh my gosh, that movie and Shutter Island were two movies that I ended up adding to my DVD collection because we watched them for that podcast. I saw I saw Shutter Island for the first time a couple months ago, and that was really good. <laughs> Shutter Island and The Island and Muppet Treasure Island, the three best island pictures ever made. Oh yeah, Treasure Island has such a Muppet Treasure Island has such a a, a good spot in my heart it's just so good I love it my brother has actually recommended several times over that we maybe do some Muppet themed episodes on the podcast here heck and yeah I'm uh I'm considering it that would be a fun one to do on Netflix uh sure. well, I guess it's all on Disney plus now but it might be but that would that might be one worth talking about at some point is is mm-hmm. Muppet Treasure Island and then what was it um, Muppets Take Manhattan that was a pretty good one Muppets from Space oh, I, I, have, I love that one. I have no memory gosh. of that movie other than going to the theater and seeing it oh my gosh it, you so know funny. you know a movie is either 
absolutely epic or absolute trash when it opens with Brick House by the Commodores and finishes with Celebration by Cool and the Gang. Yep. Anytime I hear those songs, that's what the movie I think of. Yep. I still associate Celebration with the Muppets, even though I don't remember the movie. It's still in my head. It's I was just thinking of a bunch of alien gonzos singing. Oh, gosh. Hey, yeah, have you guys okay. ever seen Muppets 4 Quest for Peace? <laughs> Honestly, it would probably have been better than what we watched. I would love to see Muppets. Oh. Everything is up from here. Everything. <laughs> Everything. Well, it sounds like we've got a really great schedule moving forward from this episode. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just got to get there. So yeah. let's go ahead and move into our final thoughts and our planet scores for the evening. Um, Jake, this was your first full uh, Christopher Reeve Superman film that you can remember. Is it one that you would rather forget? It's one that I'm glad I saw wasn't as bad. Like, I'm glad I saw it in the sense that, like, I'm glad I got it over with, but I'm also... So uh, pleasantly surprised that it wasn't as bad, like Ben said, as I thought it was going to be. Like, I've heard of this as like, oh, this is one of the worst movies ever made. And it's bad, but like, I've seen worse movies. I've seen Zombies, okay? Um, and I. Hey, Zombies <laughs> is better than this movie. I think it's more entertaining. <laughs> I will stand on that platform until I fall off and <laughs> die at the hands of a zombified beaver. No, you're right. <laughs> yeah, okay. You're, you're right. But. I, I kind of narrowed it down to one word at the end. Uh, as the end credits were going, I'm just like, in a word, this movie is lame. It's just lame, you know? It's not exciting. <laughs> it's not fun. Nuke, I mean, it, it's fun in some parts, I guess, but like Nuclear Man, just lame. The story, lame. The plot, lame. The acting, lame. The characters, lame. Everything was lame. It's just a big... Yeah. You know, it, that's that's funny because uh, we recently discussed the Lego movie where everything is awesome. <laughs> and in here, everything is lame. Uh, in Superman 4, everything is lame. Mm -hmm. <laughs> everything's not awesome. And everything's not cool. And I'm not having a good time. Superman 4, everything is lame. <laughs> that's the title of our episode. <laughs> yep. <laughs> The, que the quest for a good movie because it's still going on. <laughs> We're still searching. <laughs> yep. Oh my gosh. Okay, with that, do you have a rating out of 10 that you would give for the planet score? I am not giving it above or below a 3. A <laughs> 3 out of 10. <laughs> a 3 from our buddy Jake. Ben, how about you? Oh, I... I... I don't know what I gave Superman 3, but I'm going to assume it was very low. And what Jake was saying, I think pretty much thinks I, I, I'm going to go with a 3 as well. I feel like that's a nice sweet spot to give it a couple points for the minute things that I liked and give a, a, a lot of thumbs down for the things that I absolutely despised. Let me see. I think... Superman 3? Oh, dear God. You hated this movie. <laughs> Superman 3? You hated Superman 3 so hardcore, you gave it a 1.5. Oh, my goodness. You did oh. say it was worse than this one. 
I am consistent then. I am consistent. I stand by my three. Oh, because God. Superman 3 is the worst out of the bunch. I will take that to my grave. It's That's that's it. Well, I was going to give it a three, but apparently I gave Superman 3 a three as well. And so I can't give it a three because I thought Superman 3 was better than Superman 4, even if it's by a marginal standard. So I guess I've put myself into a, like a corner with this one. Um, I didn't care for the nuclear storyline. I didn't care for Nuclear Man. I didn't care for the Statue of Liberty scene. I didn't care for the lunar eclipse. I didn't care for how piss poor Margot Kidder was. I didn't care for the storyline about a, a puff piece magazine company taking over the Daily Planet. Like, it meant nothing to me. Uh, Mariel Hemingway as Lacey Warfield was just a completely cringe and forgettable performance. Like, there was just hardly anything redeemable about this movie hardly anything and there was just not a lot that i was entertained by there was not a lot that i really enjoyed and the only time i would ever watch this again would be for a drinking game with some buddies where we would try and find that uh that that straightforward uh shot of superman flying directly at the camera and see how many times it happens throughout the film and take a shot every time you see it happen. Like, you'll get wasted by the end of the movie, but that's the only way you'll ever enjoy this movie. So with that, and also factoring in the fact that I gave Superman 3 a 3, uh, I'm going to have to give this one a 2.5. I, mm-hmm. I des- mm-hmm. despise this movie. I'm glad that it's done. And I'm ready to actually get to some decent performances for once. <laughs> and like I said, can't get any worse than this. Or can it? Oh, man, I don't know. I really don't know. There was one redeeming point, though. And thank God we actually found it on YouTube so we can use it as the quote of the night. But even after all of this stuff... um there was one kind of redeeming-ish quote that uh, he gave during a press conference towards the end of the film. And uh, that's actually tonight's quote of the night. So um, Mm -hmm. let's have a listen to what is arguably the most redeeming part of this entire film is Superman learning his lesson in tonight's quote of the night. Well, once more, we survived the threat of war and found a fragile peace. I thought I could give you all the gift of the freedom from war, but I was wrong. It's not mine to give. We're still a young planet. There are galaxies out there, other civilizations for us to meet, to learn from. What a brilliant future we could have. And there will be peace. There will be peace when the people of the world want it so badly that their governments will have no choice but to give it to them. I just wish you could all see the Earth the way that I see it. Because when you really look at it, it's just one world. That's a great speech, actually. It's legitimately like, you're just giving Christopher Reeve the reins and just letting him guide it. He's still got it. He's still good. He's still a bright spot in this 
just <laughs> just this crap show. It's a shame because Christopher Reeve is so good and he he shines through in all these. But uh, yeah, yeah, good quote in a very 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 bad movie. Very. Very bad movie. You left out a few other fairies in there. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I didn't get them in there. I didn't have time. Well, uh, speaking of time, we're running a little short on time, so it's time to go ahead and jump into our final segment of the evening. Ladies and gents, if you are listening live on channel1138.com, which several of you have been dropping in and out so far this evening, thank you for joining us live. Or if you're on social media, then be sure to go and use that hashtag on all the major hashtag carrying platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Pinterest, and anything else that might carry a hashtag. Because it's time for another rousing edition of hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 All righty, so I, I don't think we had anything in the notes uh, well, planned but I've, for this. I've, I've got something, though. All right, all right. I, I have something. To, I have something in mind too. So you go ahead with yours first. Well, it. it I have a feeling it could be similar. It. It's mm-hmm. pretty, pretty current and pretty relevant. I feel like. Uh-huh. Is that along the lines of what you were thinking, or did you have something yep. else in mind? Yep. With yep. with was... the uh, with the current pandemic that our country is facing, there are a lot of uh, executive orders being put into place uh, state by state. There's a lot of recommendations being put out nationwide. There is a, um, I want to call it an executive order being put into effect by the governor of Texas taking effect uh, tonight, where starting tomorrow, we're not allowed to have groups of 10 or more congregating anywhere. And uh, there's there's some other stuff that's included in this as well. And one of them, let me see if I can find the synopsis. Um, no dining in at restaurants, bars, or food courts but takeout and delivery orders are allowed and encouraged. Schools are closed, gyms are closed, there's no visitation at nursing homes, retirement centers, or long-term care facilities unless you are providing, quote, critical assistance, end quote. It says this is not a shelter-in-place order. You can still go to grocery stores, pharmacies, gas stations, parks, and banks. Essential government services and critical infrastructure will be operational and domestic travel will be allowed, but this... Uh, executive order from our governor takes effect until April the 3rd, which is when um, Onward comes out. Mm, but yeah. I want to I want to hone in on this no dining in at restaurants, bars, and food courts because, Ben, your family owns a barbecue restaurant in southern Mississippi. Right. And I'm, I'm just curious how you all are handling this current situation and you know is this affecting you guys's business are y'all are y'all doing okay like first of all for your health and your yeah. safety wise but financially and emotionally like how are things faring out there by you with this basically being your family's livelihood yeah it's uh 
I think it's safe to say this has been a stressful time. This has been a very thought-provoking time. Thankfully, everyone's healthy, and we have been surprisingly busy, at least today. We're very, very busy, um, almost overwhelmingly so, which I'm very thankful for. And, and that could be for the fact that we are basically open as we normally would. We haven't changed anything. Our hours are still the same. We're still letting people in. Um, people can even come and sit down and eat. Like, we really haven't changed anything. Um, we've done a few things here and there to kind of limit stuff. We've gotten no executive orders from our government, state, or, or, or local to tell us to do anything yet. So we're kind of been operating as as normal, but some other restaurants have not. Some have just straight up closed. There's a, there's a, there's a more... I would say upper scale restaurant across town that has just straight up closed their doors. They're not even open at this point. Um, and there's other restaurants that thing. Um, so, and this is a rough time and, and bars specifically are really, you know, in, in a tough spot. Cause like, that's what you do. You bring people in to congregate and what are you going to do and things. So like, I feel for a lot of different businesses and I, and I, and what came up today was the fact that our city council actually met to discuss this, and I keep expecting our governor to say something, but he hasn't. He hasn't put anything to end to – he's addressed schools. He's addressed various different things but has not addressed restaurants yet. Um, but our, our city government, who we just so happen to have a mayor who is a doctor, who is very up-to-date and up-to-speed on all this, which is actually nice, um, he is suggesting something along the lines of like not even allowing – like allowing to go orders but not letting us – work within even the building, not letting anyone in the building, which would be wow. interesting, to say the least, being that, you know, literally everything is, you know, you know, to go orders, like, how do you do that? Do you move the counter outside? Like, there's so many different variables, and I've been brainstorming all day about that, like, thinking about what we're we gonna do with this, but then there's also, there's what is, what's been a popular answer, I think they've, that many, many states have done already, which is cutting off um, dine in, so people can come in and carry out food, but they can't dine in. I know Starbucks and Chick Fil A and a bunch of different places have just straight up taken their chairs away, so people can't come in and sit down. They can only take it out, and they're encouraging people to leave. Um, that's probably where we'll be sitting soon. I'm guessing the uh, will you I be sitting though? To... I, I, Did I, you I take the chairs away? away? <laughs> Oh boy, I walked right into that one, didn't I? Well, make up your right mind. Are you walking or are you sitting? I know, I know. Yeah, I'm gonna save one chair for me to sit in. All right, <laughs> one chair. Um, but the uh, Mississippi Department of Human Services (MDHS) has actually recommended that everyone cease dine-in service in the state. Um, wow. So I'm assuming that will go to the governor or whoever's in charge and they will make that decision because they're just kind of recommending that. Um, and as I said, our city government is kind of making strides, even though they had a city council meeting today and then they didn't do anything per usual government stuff. Even at city level, they're kind of incompetent, but, uh, anyway, I think they're trying and it's going to be interesting because, you know, we, uh, funny enough, this is not our first catastrophe. This is not our first, like, world-ending event. Like, we, we down here, where I live, we experienced Hurricane Katrina about 15 years ago. 
And this building that I'm sitting in right now, where the restaurant is, had about a foot of water in it during Katrina. Oh, We're wow. a mile and a half from the beach. And the town that I'm in got 90% of it flooded. Like, Man. almost every business and house was flooded. And some, um, the closer you got to the beach, some of them were completely washed away, completely. So, and just for the coast, everyone from Florida to Texas was affected by that. Katrina was a massive storm and was a catastrophe down here. It really was like a, like, I, I, what I call it is our apocalypse. Like, it was really the end of our world, and we started over after that. And miraculously, this restaurant started, we opened up like six or eight weeks after the storm. Wow. And, and that was after cleaning it up, getting everything back in this thing, and then coming out. And, of course, being after that, it's like there was curfews, and you couldn't be out at the time, and, and it, was, it was mayhem. Um, and it feels like that again. Mm-hmm. It weirdly feels like that again. It feels like, and we're getting busy again. And back then we were super, super busy for a long, long time because we had, um, volunteers. We had tons of different people. We had police coming in from out of state. There were so many people that came in and helped and they had a place to eat. They had to eat somewhere and they had nowhere else to go because there was no one else in town open. We were the only restaurant at that time. So it was crazy. So now I'm having flashbacks to our last catastrophe. (laughs) And now we are in this, and I don't know what's going to happen. You know, they haven't made any announcements. You could hear by something tomorrow. I don't know. Um, But, okay, all that is to say, and I want to say this really quick, and I want to make this mean something, is no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, because this is affecting everyone across the world. This is an American thing or a Chinese thing. This is a world thing. It's everywhere. And it's going to affect every life on Earth probably in some way or another. Um, go out and support your local businesses because they're going to yeah. be hurting over the next little while. This is going to affect everyone. Every business is going to be affected. They're going to be hurt by this. But if you've got small businesses who are possibly, you know, they're, they're the only sources of income for one or two families um, and they need to shut down. Think of it. Think you're oh, you're a bar owner, and that's your livelihood. And the government tells you, "Yeah, you have to shut down because of this virus." What are you gonna do? Go out and get another job? I mean, right. what what happens to those people? So, I would tell anybody like support them however you can. If there's a business that's open still, definitely support them. Go get takeout from your local restaurant. Go to your local taco place. Go to your local barbecue place. Get takeout. Take it home. Um, support them as much as possible. Not just restaurants. Any business. Any small business. Go and support them now because, uh, you know, you never know when what could happen. And like I said off the top of the show, this is absolutely unprecedented. What we're experiencing right now, I, it hasn't sunk in with me, like, how absolutely insane what we're living in right now. What's happening, and this is going to change our lives. This is going to be changing the world. We're living in it right now. It's happening right before our eyes. Yep. And there's going to be a lot of businesses that fail, a lot of small businesses and a lot of big businesses that are going to cease to exist after this happens and it's going to change things. And But do your part. Stay home. Don't go out. Wash your hands. Take care of yourself. If you, if you are sick, stay home definitely. But if you can, get out and support your neighbors because we need it now more than ever. Yep. It's very well said, dude. And uh, as... Uh, as should as it should be, um, or as I would hope you would come to expect from us by now, we are wishing you and your family the very best in these times, and uh, appreciate that. and hope that 
this doesn't bring an end to the best ribs that I've ever had in my entire life. I will appreciate that too. I will stand on that platform forever and ever. It is just the gosh damn truth. And I would be <laughs> crushed if a virus would be the thing that, that ended up getting rid of that. I hope to God that doesn't happen and hope that you guys um, just continue with your excellence and that the neighborhood continues to recognize that and, uh, and finds a way to support you guys. Cause I, I know I jokingly said this the other day, but if you guys did do delivery as far uh, west as Texas, mm, man, I'd be ordering from you guys all the time. And we had some people actually. Uh, I had a few friends. They're like, "Do you do you ship?" And uh, <clears throat> not really, not really. We don't. It's a whole thing with shipping. I would love to do that, and and that can be an entire business unto itself. Yeah. Shipping food, um, and we have a lot of people, and we have. You know, uh, being where I am, we're, we're a port city. We have a lot of Navy people here. Mm-hmm. They come in and enjoy our food and then go back home to Washington or go around the world and, and still want our food and want us to ship it. And sometimes we can't accommodate them. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's still it's it's nice. And the compliments are always appreciated. Well, hopefully those compliments turn into more than that but uh, in the meantime y'all just go find them at rob's bbq on the side and kind of get some social engagement going because um, the more engagement there is the more exposure there is and the more people recognize that they're still open uh, every little bit helps so yeah go and go and check that out share that page around if you feel up to it uh, it's a great way to help take care of local businesses, even if you're not living close enough to support them financially. Support them with some likes, some retweets, some shares. Uh, every little bit kind of helps keep things afloat. So, um, Speaking of every little bit, uh, we've got a swag shop. We don't talk about it very often, but if you're interested in getting your hands on like an IPC logo t-shirt or a uh, coffee mug or bag or pillow or notepad or iPhone case like there's all kinds of awesome stuff at this place so be sure to go check it out at tpublic.com slash user slash IPC podcast we get about 40% of the profits so it's a it's a pretty decent chunk all for just putting our graphic up there and then the tpublic people will uh print it and they will ship it and it's usually to your place in two weeks or less so it's it's pretty it's not amazon prime quick but it's pretty quick and uh, every little bit from that helps being a patron as i mentioned earlier in the program also helps but even just likes and retweets on social media help us as well so if you aren't following us already be sure to go follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at ipc podcast and then uh, I've actually recently been revising my social media a little bit. Um, you can still find me at Zach underscore DFW if you want. But the best place to find me now is Zach the Voice. Z-A-C-H the Voice. That's Twitter. And then I think it's Zach dot the Voice on uh, Instagram. Because apparently Zach the Voice was taken up by some... Uh, music guy and he doesn't really post much anymore but I can't get the name because somebody else has it I now feel your pain Jake (laughs) it sucks so yeah uh, Zach the voice on Facebook Twitter and Instagram it's mostly about the 
broadcasting stuff that I do for the high school team, but uh, there's also some podcasting-related stuff, some movie-related stuff, some sports-related stuff, just whatever's going on in life. Um, ben, if people want to keep up with what's going on in your crazy life, how can they do that? They can, I mean, since I can't really talk to anyone, like, in person, like, you know, that that's totally out of the question, you can only find me on social media. Exclusively. Exclusively. Get some exclusive and, Ben Hart content on Facebook. And you can get me uh, making jokes about a very situation, a very serious situation, uh, on my Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ben Hart with no E. And uh, really quick, I'm gonna plug something else. The uh, something that has been giving me life that is literally helping me survive this whole thing. The Earth is Closed Meme Therapy Group. <laughs> Go find it on Facebook. It's on, I'll repost a link on my on my personal Facebook and, and maybe on our on our Facebook. That group started a while back and just kind of just ran with it for a while. So many great people with so many great memes. It's uh, and we're all making fun of again a very terrible situation. Quentin but you know, if you can't if you can't laugh about it, then then you know what the heck. I just saw that Quentin Quarantino one. That's so good. <laughs> Quentin Quarantino. <laughs> what? Oh God! I need to go find this now. But there's also my favorite one of the day is the time traveler. What year is it? Me. 2020. Time travel. Oh God! Have the corpses reanimated yet? And it's the woman going <laughs> the what? <laughs> The what? <laughs> the corpses? They've re- <laughs> Don't want to think about that. Not tonight. Not when I'm on my way to bed. Uh-uh. Nope. Sorry. Okay. Jake, tell the folks at home where they can keep up with you so I can end this before I have nightmares about corpses reanimating due to the virus. <laughs> Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram, not at Jake Damon, but at Jake W. Damon, because some guy won't respond to me about that. Uh, I want that name, dude. Um, and then on Twitter, at Jake Damon, because I thought somebody took it, and then I realized it was myself like four years ago. So I found out how to log back into that one, stole that one back, and uh, yeah. So that happened. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I can't wait to not watch Quest for Peace anytime soon. Yeah, I did an aggregated results. The 2.5 and the 3.0 and the 3.0 gives it 8.5 out of possible 30 points. That is good for 28.3%. That seems just about right. <laughs> we gave it a score of 28.3%. Hit us up on social media with your score of Superman 4 and what other topics you might be interested in hearing us talking about. We had a schedule, but that schedule is very much in flux due to corona and just life in general. So, uh, my, my corona. My corona. Yeah, Weird Al already confirmed he's not doing that, but somebody did. Uh, but, you know, life happens, and we were talking about doing a Netflix party next week. We were talking about doing a top five sometime soon. We're talking about doing the Muppets, possibly, if you're interested in hearing about that. We've just got a lot of stuff, and Onward is about to be released to the public on Disney Plus pretty soon, so you might hear us do a discussion about Onward. There's all kinds of stuff out there for us to talk about, but we wouldn't be talking about these things if it wasn't for you guys. So let us know what you want to hear us talking about, and you may hear us talk about it here on the show. But it's not going to happen this week. 
but it might happen in a week in the not too distant future. So I'm gonna go ahead and call it because I'm tired. I know you guys are tired. We're talking of, tired of talking about this movie, so we're just going to officially end it. Episode 276 is now in the books. For Jake Damon and Ben Hart, I'm Zach Arnold. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that you'll tune in next week, but until that time comes around, we're just going to leave you with this final thought. If there is no path before you, create your own. We hope that this path leads right back to us here on another episode of IPC. But until then, good night, everyone. any sense.